Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast. I am Matt Harmon. I have got the hosting chair today. What an experience this should be. I'm joined alongside Dalton Del Don. We are here to actually talk week one. Real football. We're going to talk about it. We're going to preview the slate and give you all the information you need to know. Dalton, what's going on, man? It's going well. How's it going, Matt? Nice to talk to you. Uh, Feels like the preseason has been forever and eternity. Finally ready for the real football to start. Yeah, absolutely. And with the 2018 season about to kick off, I wanted to kind of pick your brain when we look back on the 2018 season, what do you think will be the theme of the year, if you had to guess now? Well, I don't want to overrate preseason, and and I get that the helmet rule is kind of, the penalties really curtailed toward the end, but but really the scoring was way up, and um, I, can't, I think I want to kind of piggyback on something you were going to bring up here, but not to take your thunder, but there's so many awesome young quarterbacks in the league right now. I mean, my guy Jimmy G, Deshaun Watson, Mahomes, Mayfield, Darnold, Wentz. You can name so many. I just think the scoring is going to go crazy this year. Uh, Smash the NFL record due to all those reasons. Just the influx of talent, the new rules, even the specific helmet rule. Uh, I just think scoring is going to be crazy, crazy high. And that's what we're going to look back on is the year of the scoring record going down. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. And and yeah, we were, were kind of simpatico on this point here. To me, 2017 was kind of the watershed moment of the influx of talent at the running back position and you know we go through just kind of these pockets of league history where it looks like we have the shortage of running backs and you know that brings the zero rb strategy into vogue it brings you know targeting wide receivers heavier in the first round than previously um now i think we're going to see that come around to the quarterback position um it's mostly just like what does the college draft provide us in terms of talent and everything like that it's been running back in the past. I think quarterbacks with the five taken in the first round this year, Sam Donald really the only one that's going to start off as his as his team's opening day starter. But I think we're going to see all these guys get in. And, and eventually, even if we look back and, and it doesn't really take hold until 2019, I think 2018 is the moment we'll look for it as, as kind of the, the start of that new trend. Yeah, I mean, they get Wentz and Luck back. I mean, maybe Jared Goff takes another step. Trubisky maybe blows up. I mean, I just named 10 off the top of my head. I mean, and also, by the way, this benefits those workhorses if you get in fantasy for running backs because it's just going to present more scoring opportunities. So there may be, even though we're talking about all these passers, it still could result in a running back reaching 20 20 touchdowns again because of all the, the scoring being up. Yeah, and at the running back position too, targets are worth more than carries. I think people sometimes overlook sure. that because you know when you throw a pass you're just generally going to get you know yards per target and yards per recept- reception figures 
are much higher than yards per carry figures. So just in general, it, if the quarterback play boosts up, it boosts all of our fantasy plays up, kind of the uh, you know rising tide that raises all boats there. Before we get into the meat of today's show, I do want to encourage everybody to check out the other podcasts in the Yahoo Sports Podcast Network. Uh, we have the Yahoo Sports NFL Podcast. It has a great interview this week with Rodney Harrison. He talks about why he supports the new helmet rule, actually. And then also, you know, you can't forget the Yahoo Sports MLB Podcast. I had Jim Abbott in studio this week on the 25th anniversary of his no-hitter. Both are great listens. Make sure to check them out wherever you listen two podcasts and uh, download subscribe and rate and review i mean you, you gotta rate and review the podcast that's that's what it's all about we live off these reviews people uh so dalton before we kind of get into everything else i do want to pick your brain about pretty much what is the biggest topic in fantasy right now what are you doing with Le'Veon bell man if you've got Le'Veon bell he, he hasn't reported to training camp yet we're recording this on wednesday morning uh pacific time if he doesn't play week one I mean, all bets are kind of off, but do you think he shows up for the first game? And if he does, are you playing him? And if you if he doesn't, what are you doing? I have a couple of shares of him. Actually, in my home league, I started my my draft with with Bell second, and then uh, Jerk McKinnon coming back in the second round. So Woof. that was not the most ideal start to my my home league uh, season. But luckily, I play a lot of fantasy football. Plenty of different leagues to spread around because that one might be dead before it starts. But Bell, I'm officially worried about now. I mean, who, how can you not be? I'm not going to make any predictions when he does show up, but obviously his agents' quotes have people worried about, you know, after week 10. If you got Bell and you didn't back him up with James Conner, which, which happens, it happened to me. Someone was super aggressive, especially my home league. Someone just wanted to, you know, try to, try to screw me and grabbed him early, and it happens. And, and Conner could be a monster. They have an awesome offensive line and obviously the setup there. But as for Le'Veon Bell... You simply can't take him in the first round now, right? I mean, those other monster backs, I'm moving them clearly below that mid-tier just because of this risk. Also, just, you know, the mileage and the health. And maybe even when he does come back, he's going to demand not, you know, the heavy workload we all expected. But do you have any clarity on this situation? Because I-, I wish I did. I wish I had more. Yeah, I was actually just lucky enough to not really be in on Le'Veon Bell this year. I thought David Johnson and Todd Gurley were preferable picks in terms of that tier one workhorse guys just because I think he's you know this might be a hot take but I think he's like on the back nine of his career anyways I think he looked less explosive last year I think that bore itself out in several efficiency metrics too Uh, so I was kind of out on him anyways so luckily don't have to make this decision for myself but if I did yeah I mean we know we kind of knew if he held out all season he was or he held out all offseason he was going to start slow in week one that's exactly what we saw last year um I don't know when he's going to return. I wouldn't be surprised if he misses several games now at this point, even though I would have said completely differently a week ago. The big read on this to me is twofold. One, I'm in on James Conner for sure. I spent $4 on him and really early in our uh, auction, the Team Huevos drafts with Brad. I'm probably going to be rolling him out there in week one. This guy was a really intriguing prospect coming out of college. Not only did he have a great story, but he, when he, before he got diagnosed with cancer and beat it, by the way, he was a, a really highly regarded player. So I think he's going to come out and smash against the Browns in week one. And then my kind of larger view takeaway from this situation is, you know, there are so many compelling statistics, facts that really back up the idea that running backs should be devalued in the NFL today. But Dalton, you and I know that most people just go off narrative and stories. They find that more compelling. And I think, however, this bell situation turns out, if it turns out that the Steelers just replace him with James Conner and don't miss a beat, or if Le'Veon Bell goes somewhere else and, and busts or whatever, I think this will be looked at as kind of the watershed moment of 
that running back devaluation conversation. It's a great point because I agree with you that Bell definitely, it looks like he was past his prime last year, but at the same time, he still is like the funnest runner to watch run. And he presents such a, a unique challenge as a defensive coordinator as a, from a, as a receiver standpoint. But but you're right. And, and if, if Connor steps in, they're probably going to treat him as a workhorse. That's why I love him for fantasy-wise. So if he does step up and the production is 85 90%, obviously that hurts Bell quite a bit. So it's going to be very interesting how the, the league treats this contract situation. But obviously it's the number one story in fantasy. I can't remember anything like this recent at all. And uh, wow, after last year, David Johnson, owners losing a first pick game one, now Bell. Uh, where, I mean, where would you take him if a draft were held today? I mean, uh, second round would be my guess, but even that may be way too high. Yeah, that's a great question. I think because he presents such a unique positional advantage in terms of, you know, he's like I said, he's right up there with Todd Gurley and, and David Johnson, even though I prefer those guys. To me, when he's on the field, he's probably still going to be that tier one type player. I would have a tough time if I was around the turn passing up a guy like yeah, that. Turn sounds good. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know that I would take him over some of the established number one wide receivers like I would have, you know, whether you talk about Odell Beckham, Antonio Brown, obviously Julio Jones, I think maybe I'd prioritize them over Bell, but probably I would take him over kind of my third tier of running backs, which includes guys like Kareem Hunt, Melvin Gordon, Leonard Fournette. I think I would still take Bell over them. Yeah, that makes sense. I've taken Fournette over Bell personally, but man, what, what it's a risk and it's a, such a high risk, high reward. I just hope he returns. I mean, not just because I own him. I mean, it's fun to watch and it yeah. makes, uh, you know, just screw over all the owners. Because they're really, I, I admit, I did not preach that there was any risk here. I thought, I, I, I was all after going after Connor, but I thought it was more of like a workload situation and Bell increasing age and all that stuff. But I, I got to admit, two weeks ago, I had no no concern of this. But right now, it's definitely a very legit concern. Dude, like four days ago, I had somebody DMing me on Instagram over over the internet. Like, should I trade Le'Veon Bell? I don't think he's going to come back. I'm like, oh, he's coming back week one, bro. Relax. Yeah. And then I look like the totally. idiot three days later. So I feel Same you. Same here. All right. You're tough, that's a real tough situation right now. But we have several other users uh, on, on Twitter that follow us at Yahoo Fantasy that they added us, you know, that is a segment at me here that we're going to do with some of their toughest player debates, you know, whether to use these guys or whether to sit them, not necessarily start sit questions, you know, but we want to kind of look at some of these players that are the most challenging guys and a couple off the off the top. One, obviously, Josh Gordon. Same game, Le'Veon Bell there. Hugh Jackson's kind of playing coy, saying Antonio Callaway is going to be the starter. Gordon might not get a full workload. If you have Josh Gordon Dalton in week one, are you throwing him out there or not? Yeah, my preliminary ranks, I have him as my 27th receiver right now. So, yeah, a, a wide receiver three. Obviously, we've been over the – speaking of risk-reward. But <laughs> he's going to play. I mean, obviously, he's out there playing the, the upside. All it will take is one big play. So, I, I, if I have Josh Gordon, I, I'm playing him. Let's put it that way. I don't, obviously, the setup's not ideal right away, you know, after not playing much in the preseason. But with that much upside, I can't really see owning Josh Gordon and sitting him unless you're in a super shallow league. To me, he's all about, like, roster construction. If you need a clear upside play – then I think you go with Gordon as your flex. Hopefully you drafted him as like a third wide receiver. I think that that was really the only situation that's kind of tenable to take him on with all the risk that just, you know, he presents. I mean, I, I, but, I, but, but part of the reason, part of the reason you took him as that was because of his availability though. Right. You know, I mean, right. if you knew he was playing, you would have gone higher than your wide receiver three, I guess would be my counter, but I hear you though. I hear you. I understand what you're saying. There's definitely some caution here. Yeah, for sure. There has to be, it is a solid matchup though. Cleveland should be, trailing trying to you know take to the air to, to keep up with Pittsburgh even though Pittsburgh is never as good on the road as they are at home I still think that the Browns should be taking to the air a lot more than they normally would want to be so yeah I think we're kind of on the same page as Josh Gordon 
I'm really curious. I know you're close to the 49ers. I would lo- I really want to get your opinion on this. Where do you stand with the 49ers running backs right now? If you have Alfred Morris, if you have Matt Breida, well, one, do you have a lean on which guy you would prefer out of the two of them? Obviously, PPR not really matters because Alfred Morris does not catch the ball whatsoever. And the, the plans for McKinnon, who is just going to crush this year, by the way. He was yeah. over that calf injury, and I was excited about I know that this was very much a risk. The guy had never been a workhorse. So not to say that this was out, out of the you know crazy surprise or anything. But um, I, I do think they were tailoring his, and, he, and even Shanahan's admitted as such, like, oh, man, this really changes our playbook. We were kind of, obviously he was hurt, but they were also hiding McKinnon, the plans they had, him as a receiver, which Morris simply does not bring to the table. But having said that, I still think Morris is, is looking at 10 touchdowns in that offense. I mean, what he did the two years under Shanahan previously was run, average 1,450 rushing yards, scored 20 touchdowns over two years. He got 4.8 yards per carry last year. When Elliott got 4.1 yards per carry, he just looked great. Yes, it was one preseason game against a bad Colts defense, but familiar with the system, can block adequately enough. Uh, Morris, it's going to come game by game. So right now, I'm sitting Morris this week in Minnesota. They allowed the fewest fantasy points to opposing backs last week. So I think Morris is kind of a buy low. Horrible matchup this week, week two at home against Detroit. Um, and that offense, I'm still buying San Francisco. So, uh, so give me Alfred Morris, just not week one. Yeah, I feel you on that. Actually, that's an interesting point to say that Alfred Morris might be a good like buy low after week one, because I do expect this to be a quote unquote Brita game. And I think that's what we're looking at this year. I'm with you. Like it's going to be a game by game situation. These guys will probably be, you know, more likely than not, uh, they'll probably be a headache for you. I'm still preferring Matt Brita out of the two. Brita right now is running as the starting running back. I think his versatility over, as you mentioned, Alfred Morris has had several thousand career carries over over the time he spent in the NFL. I think he has less than 60 career receptions. So, yeah, obviously a dud in the passing game. Everybody knows that. I think Brita is a really interesting talent. Uh, he was a guy in college that, that performed really well, wasn't a, t- wasn't a real buzzy player, but he crushed the athletic measurements in terms of spark or whatever you want to look at. You mentioned it right now in Minnesota, San Francisco is a six and a half point dog. Uh, I expect them to be throwing a lot again, and that much more leads itself to Brita's skill set. If I had to pick between the two, I think I would lead Brita, but I don't think that there's a lot of clarity with this situation. Yeah, Brita's younger, I will say. I mean, maybe he takes over the McKinnon role, but he's only 190 pounds. He actually finished last among 55 running backs in drop rate last year. I mean, maybe maybe he corrects that. It should be simple enough, but that's actually one spot below even Jordan Howard. I mean, everyone gives him a hard time with his hands, but it was even worse than that, so... We'll see, but um, definitely in PPR, I can see Brita. But I, I think the Niners' offense as a whole, is, it would be a nice buy-low opportunity after week one. Or really after the first month, they have a really tough stretch to open the year. Yeah, that's a good call. One player I had a lot of clarity on in drafts this year, but I don't necessarily know that I have too, too much clarity on going into week one, and, and a lot of people agreed responding to the tweet at Yahoo Fantasy was Jamal Williams. Now, my take on this is it's been pretty much the same as a metronome this whole summer. Uh, I don't care who I think is better at this running back spot. I, the coaches clearly love Jamal Williams. You know, they have said that he's in for a big year. They've run him as the clear starter throughout preseason. Tom Montgomery coming into the year banged up. Aaron Jones, unreliable in every facet, you know, whether it's injuries or off the field. He obviously will not be out there week one due to the suspension. But it's not a great, great matchup uh, on paper. In ter- I mean, that Bears defense had just added Khalil Mack, obviously. Talk about big news. They they have good players overall throughout the front seven, even before the Mac trade. But however, Green Bay is a seven and a half point home favorite. Uh, that so I, in theory, I do like the starting running back of this offense. So 
I am playing Williams pretty confidently in week one. It's kind of a floor guy. Where do you stand with Williams in week one? Before I touch on Williams, I want to circle back because I'd be remiss if I didn't say that. Uh, I really want to go on record being all in on Alfred Morris. The, the Scott Fish Bowl, I bid, uh, I'm an, I was an owner of McKinnon, another one there. I bid 100, mm. 100 fab on Morris. So I, I bid, went 100, wow, 100% nice. of my fab. So just, just be clear. I'm probably wrong. Don't get me wrong. But uh, just, to be, uh, just to go on record, that I'm all in on Alfred Morris uh, uh, between those two Niner backs. Jamal Williams definitely want to give you credit for it. When we met up, what, two, three weeks ago in Sunnyvale, you said you should be creeping him up your, your rankings, and I, I kind of was uh, sticking to Aaron Jones. And, and man, Williams, you were right. Uh, and certainly this week, I looked at him, and I have him 13th uh, this week and saw a couple of Twitter people respond to me, and I guess that's much higher the, than the consensus. The rest of uh, Yahoo people have him like in the mid-20s. So my problem with Williams was kind of that I liked Aaron Jones long-term and, and the talent, but Aaron Jones has suspended these two games, and Clearly, Williams should be the guy this week. And, yeah, Chicago's defense everyone loves, but you mentioned it, the second biggest favorites of the week at home, the lead ball carrier on, on the Packers. They have questions outside of Devontae Adams. Maybe Graham will get all the goal line, uh, you know, the, the work there if they pass it. But I don't know. I love Jamal Williams this week. Top 15 back for me. All right. Next up, we're going to welcome Brad Evans to the show. He's got a take on this week in fantasy history, looking back at a pretty recent bit of history here. Hop in the Wayback Machine, fantasy fans. It's time for great moments in fantasy football history. September 7th, 2017, Thursday Night Football, Kansas City versus New England. And what's known as the Fantasy Frenzy in Foxborough, a rookie running back out of Toledo invaded New England and levied a Mac attack. Kareem Hunt, a greenhorn who rose meteorically in drafts leading up to week one, nuked the Pats, sending Al Michaels and his owners into an exultant state. Overcoming an early fumble loss, he totaled 246 yards, the most ever by a rusher in an NFL debut, scored three touchdowns, and invaded 14 tackles. His record-shattering performance hurtled him into the virtual game's upper echelon and rubber-stamped him as a surefire RB1. Tune in next week for another trip down memory lane. All right, Brad, thank you for that lesson. I hope everybody actually remembers what happened this time a year ago. But then again, I, I don't really remember what happened this time last week. So uh, it, it's nice of Brad to give us that reminder of Kareem Hunt and what can happen, you know, how things can change so quickly in fantasy football. Uh, speaking of changes, Dalton, obviously week one is the time where all of our expectations are suddenly thrown into question. You know, we have to ask ourselves, is, is, what we, is what we're seeing in week one a mirage or the new reality that we should accept? And with that in mind, what are some of your keys to winning in September, to being the best possible fantasy football player in the month of September when the season kicks off? Yeah, nothing groundbreaking, but uh, with baseball, I would just preach patience and kind of the opposite with football. As I just said, I spent 100% of my fab on Alfred Morris. The season hasn't started yet. Um, I'm, I'm just way more apt to do that in fantasy football. I think you should be aggressive early with your fab budget. Yeah, and this is what kind of sucks, too, about these suspended players, especially, you know, your Mark Ingrams, your Julian Edelmans this year, your Aaron Jones, if you want to hold on to him. And, I mean, if shoot, if you're a Le'Veon Bell owner, you're facing this, too. You're going to have to carry dead weight on your roster in what's really the most important waiver wire time of the year. I mean, weeks one, two, three, that's when these especially the running back position. Like you mentioned, Alfred Morris is a good example. There's going to be others. I would almost guarantee you, unfortunately, that there's going to be a major injury or two or three in week one, and everybody will be hot and heavy on that team's backup. You know, if Al Alex Collins goes out and 
you know, something happens to him in week one, people will be bidding like crazy for Javorius Allen or, or Kenneth Dixon. And you want to be able to be in on that action. I'm with you, Dalton. You got to be aggressive. You got to be ready to hit that waiver wire. Uh, and, and don't get emotionally attached either to your failed prognostications. Um, for example, with me, with John Brown, like, I expect John Brown to be out there on every single snap as a featured receiver in this offense. I don't necessarily care if he only gets targeted two or three times, but if he's playing like 30% of the snaps running like 15 to 17 routes in the game, that might be a situation where I need to change my expectations and consider even moving on. Um, do you feel that way too? Like getting attached to these guys is, is it something where you want to like hold on to your previous predictions or, or kind of accept new information? What are you more likely to do? I for sure struggle that myself. And like I say, with baseball, I, I honestly just almost try to ignore box scores just because you, you must have patience, small sample. I mean, big sample, don't overrate small sample, but sometimes with football, it really does just change so much overnight. It's just a, say it's a yearly league it's really a weekly league so I, I try to not you know hold on to my biases preseason and, and cut bait and, and just really be aggressive really I mean unlike the other sports that really every single year there's players on the waiver wire who become you know top 10 at their position just because of, of role change simple as that role just matters so much in football and that can change drastically any given week I totally agree. Obviously, like the 16 game sample size is so minuscule. It's crazy that we try to pick out meaningful information. Really, it's like there are pockets of inf- right. pockets of seasons within the season too. You know, there's the slow start for this player, but the hot finish. And like you could look completely right or wrong on a player in the course of an entire season. It, it's wild that we decide to do this professionally. But hey, good for us. Um, and uh, thanks for everybody for following along. I guess. All right, with trades, let me ask you. With trades, I I suck at trading. Just to be honest, like it's by far the weakest part of my game. Do you like go out and pay big? big money in a trade you know obviously ship off some other assets that you were really high on in a draft for a guy like an Arian Foster he goes out uh, a couple of years ago and has that big week one game or Michael Turner with the Falcons is another one I always remember like trying to pay through the nose for those guys but they're like impossible to acquire at, at that point what's your read on trades earlier in the season I'm horrible at trades I'm in too many leagues I don't initiate enough uh the yeah, opponent, that's my, a great point my opponent <laughs> is lucky if I respond to theirs I'm known for this it's bad I need to get better at it it's part of my game that's that's a, a negative. And uh, so, yeah, I'm really bad at offering trades. Only only often I'm like, oh, the deadline's coming up. I better get on this and I have a couple days to do that. So so really it's something that I'm bad at. And and frankly, uh, my strategy is when I know clearly I'm in need of something, I, I shoot out a mass uh, league email saying I need this position and I have excess this position. Inquire within. That's about as far as I go, unfortunately. Man, if I can't even return uh, my mother's calls in time right. from the other side of the country, I'm not returning your trade uh, your trade inquiries in time, that's for sure. So obviously it sounds like you shouldn't listen to Dalton or me when it comes to fantasy trades, but you should definitely listen to Liz Lowe's interview with James Rode, former star of Psych, and uh, he's got a new show coming up called A Million Little Things on ABC, uh, and you'll get to listen to it literally right now. Take it away, Liz. Hello, big-time TV star, dog dad, elephant advocate, and fantasy football diehard. How are you, Mr. James Roday? if people didn't know you by those other things before I said your name? I appreciate you using the abbreviated version of my name. Um, I think it's helpful to people. It helps them sort of dial in quickly and and get on board with what we're doing. Uh, Life is good. I have absolutely no complaints. All of my problems are of the champagne variety. No one wants to hear about those. Uh, So let's uh, let's talk about football. Okay. So I'm going to ask you real quick. You are a Titans fan by way of the Houston Oilers. Derrick Henry or Deion Lewis? 
Is it, a, is, are we talking fantasy or life? Give me one of each. Um, in life, I want Derrick Henry because I want, I, I want him to live up to the sort of uh, bell cow that we've been waiting for in Tennessee. In fantasy, uh, if it's a PPR league, I'm probably going to take Dion. If it's a if it's a standard league, I'll stick with I'll stick with Henry. How's that? I mean, I think that's a pretty like down the middle, not particularly bold answer, but fine, <laughs> fine. Well, I'm not trying to be bold with my own squad. I, I want things to fall the way that they're supposed to, which add up to which should add up to victories. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I appreciate that you always put your personal squad ahead of your fantasy team. And you do have quite a few fantasy teams. I have watched you draft live. And let me tell you, this dude is intense about it. I mean, we're talking season schedule, strength of schedule, stats. He, he's got a system. I'm also one of the few people that will drop a few jokes and trash talk during live drafts. Everybody's, everybody's so serious. And then you drop a joke and nobody realizes it's a joke and nobody wants to be the first one to laugh. And then it's just, it's just so awkward. And you look around and you're like, guys, because it's all dudes. Guys, it's fantasy football. Look at us. So you're saying your draft um, room is one of the harder rooms that you've worked is in your career? Yeah, it's a tough room. It is. We talked about boldness, though, and I want to hear a bold fantasy prediction that you have for the 2018 season. Uh, I have a bold fantasy prediction for you. I mean, I don't know if this is going to rattle you in your shoes, but I'm looking at that Dallas offense. Absolutely nothing scares me at the wide receiver position or at tight end. Uh, I know they have a decent offensive line, but it's not the offensive line that they've, they've had in the past. Dak's coming off. A down year, and I just I see absolutely no reason why any decent defensive coordinator is not going to come in there and put eight or nine guys in the box, which means Zeke Elliott should not be going fourth overall in fantasy drafts. I got news. I don't think he's going to live up to his ADP, and I don't think that Cowboys offense is going to do much this year. I like it. I've been taking Leonard Fournette ahead of Zeke Elliott in my drafts. We'll see if that bears out. But you make a good point, especially with the Dallas offensive line banged up. Sure, they have depth, but their starters are not looking so great for the season. So I think that that's a spot-on bold prediction and certainly one that will get a few people rattled, even if it didn't necessarily rattle me. Thank you, Liz. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Uh, week one. It's upon us. It's happening very soon. Give me a breakout for this first week of NFL action. I wish I had something um, deeper and more nuanced, but uh, I'm going to go with Nelson Aguilar because Jeffrey's out, and I think it's, you know, Foles, while he's a good soldier, does have an ego, and he did win a Super Bowl. And if this may be the only start he gets this season – uh, I think he's going to want to sling it around and remind everybody that he technically should be starting somewhere. So uh, I see uh, I see big numbers for Foles, and I see uh, I see Nelson having a nice day. There are definitely people on our team who are in agreement with you, so I like that, James. Tell us about the show you're working on. I've seen the promos. I mean, you guys came on after The Bachelor. They promoted the heck out of it after The Bachelor finale, so you knew I was watching. I would watch for you anyway, obviously. <laughs> but following you. <laughs> You are too kind. Uh, but, yeah, The Bachelor, that, that kind of makes sense as a, as a target audience to me. Um, the show is called A Million Little Things. It's on ABC. And, uh, you know, it's about adults dealing with the kind of stuff that adults have to deal with. And, uh, you know, we're, we're grappling with some pretty serious, heavy issues, but, you know, trying to do it in as authentic a way as possible and also celebrate life and 
how you lean on friends to get through stuff. And it's sort of like uh, the big chill as a TV show. I thought, I think it looks really interesting. I love the billboards, hashtag a million little things about friendship coming together. You play Gary. I won't give away too much about your character, but I, I'm really excited. No, all joking aside, I've got my DVR set for Wednesday, September 26th, which is the day the show premieres. You having a good time? I am. Uh, it's a great group of people. Uh, we all get along, which is, you know, pretty, pretty fantastic considering that there's so many of us. Uh, I'm back in. Vancouver, which is my old stomping grounds from, from back in the day, the last time I was working on a TV show. So that's all familiar, and I got some friends up there, and uh, I'm very lucky. I'm very, very lucky to, you know, to be able to do this uh, for a living. So. Well, I'm very lucky that you joined us today and that I consider you a friend, and hopefully that luck will wear off on the both of us for a solid championship-winning fantasy season. I like it, and I'm all in. <laughs> Ditto. Thanks, James. All right. Be good. And that was great. Uh, Dalton, were you ever in on the show Psych uh, at all? I actually wasn't, and I watch a ton of TV, but no. But I've heard good things. What about yourself? No, I was going back on the. I was going back and forth with this uh, with with Jason Klobaka, our uh, fantasy overlord here at Yahoo, and I I made the point to him like, yeah, that show came out when I was in like, you know, it was tw- 2006. I was getting my learner's permit right, then, right, so I wasn't yeah. watching Psych. Yeah, for- <laughs> but you know, I gotta just shoehorn like how young and uh, much my life is ahead of me into every conversation that I could. Hey, that was have. me. That was <laughs> me. That not that long ago, but now I'm the old man. So hey, I, I don't blame you. I did it myself. <laughs> I'm, ta- I'm taking the, uh, the the wheel on that right. one. Yeah, Sigmund Bloom, my my mentor in the industry, always told me make sure to let everybody know that you rock because you're the youngest before they try to put you down because you're the youngest. So that's a little pro tip out there for our younger listeners. Uh, and we do hope the younger demographic is involved in the show. Dalton, let's talk real hard hitting information about week one, looking at daily fantasy. Uh, obviously we offer a ton of DFS, uh, get in on the Yahoo cup too, by the way, uh, if you're playing on playing on our site this year, if you get close to a perfect lineup, you can win a million dollars. If you hit that perfect lineup, it, it's it's a pretty great uh, offer. So get in on the Yahoo Cup Daily Fantasy, uh, yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. Let's look at week one uh, right now, Dalton. Do you have like a bargain to offer the the, the gamers on our site? Uh, yeah, give me a – first of all, I, like, I think Kenyon Drake is underpriced at $21. I think he's just – I treat him as a, a tier one running back. But my, my bill bargain is Keelan Cole, $11. Not a shocker here. I mean, he overtakes the number one role for Jacksonville. Maybe the game flow isn't perfect here if, if Jacksonville dominates with their ground game and, and defense, but Giants are bottom 10 in fantasy points against to, to wide receivers. Uh, Cole was such an impressive four-game stretch last year when he was given that w- wide receiver one role. I actually think he's better than Marquise Lee. Maybe I'm crazy, but I think he's going to definitely... No, I'm, yeah, I don't think you're crazy. I'm with you on that. Yeah, your metric agrees, right? Yes, correct, okay. correct. So Lee was the only wide receiver I charted last year who had a below-average success rate on every single route on the route tree. So, yeah, Keelan Cole, I think, is definitely the best receiver. Yeah, on I team. thought your reception perception uh, liked him as well. But yeah, he's, he's my guy all in. I mean, every every day I can get him late in drafts, uh, I have Keelan Cole. So if you can get him for $11, uh, I guarantee you that price is going to go way up uh, starting week two. Yeah, I like that call a lot. Uh, obviously, if you look at the Giants' cornerback situation, Eli Apple was a straight disaster for a number of reasons last year. And Janoris Jenkins is a good cover corner. He's really their only good cover corner. 
Um, and he allowed 9.2 yards per target in coverage last year. So he will give up big plays, and Keelan Cole can make those big plays. Um, and the Giants have told you what you think about their what they think about their cornerback situation. They claimed a ton of players at the deadline, so that's that's a good call by you. My bargain, my bargain here uh, is Royce Freeman. I swear to God, I'm not Brad Evans here. Uh, <laughs> Brad and I have gone back and forth on Freeman. I think on this podcast several several times, but I really like him in Week One. I was not paying the iron price of like a third, fourth round turn guy that he he turned into there after his preseason. But seventeen dollars in Week One really big fan of that you know Denver is at home I think the record and statistics bear this out but Denver always gets off to a decent home start you know they they usually in the first month of the season play several games there in Denver at that high altitude and get off to a nice start and I think their position to this coming this coming year in 2018 they get Seattle you know we know that Seattle has had a lot of turnover on defense they are going to get Earl Thomas back that was reported just uh before we got on the podcast but Denver is still getting a point one one and a half points as the favorite and I expect them to run a lot with Royce Freeman so uh if you need a cheap running back play I do think he is a bargain totally agree with you Freeman top 15 start for me this week uh man Seattle was shaky on the road even when they were a good team they were always a little vulnerable now just totally decimated on defense I made the Broncos my best bet of the week. That line's even creeping up to minus three at some places. I really like them at home. I like Case Keenum as another real cheap. If you want to go real cheap at DFS as well, but totally with you uh, for, for Freeman. Yeah, that's a good call. That is a good call on uh, on Case Keenum. And yeah, you're right. Actually, the line is Denver's a three-point favorite now. That the op- It opened at one and a half and is now at three. You're right about that. So actually staying on that game, I think you have a player that you're avoiding uh, from that contest yeah I'm, I'm fading Doug Baldwin at, at $24 uh, I, for the reasons I mean the, the setup there he could be an absolute monster in fantasy terms with the Seattle the poor defense no who's the running back no receivers there but if he says he's 80 85 percent right now dealing with an injury all preseason in which he didn't play now he's dealing with the best slot corner in all of football with Chris Harris uh, the setup there is bad $24 to me, I wouldn't even play Doug Baldwin uh, if Keelan Cole, if they were the same price, I'd probably play Cole. Wow. So given the price, uh, Baldwin's an easy fade for me. Yeah, I'm with you. Kind of staying away from Seattle all around in that game. Tyler Lockett, obviously, I've got my eye on just in terms of, what, like I mentioned with John Brown earlier, I just want to see his usage more so than I want to play him in week one. So I think that is a really good call by you. Guy I'm fading is another player uh, that was injured last year. Seems to be coming into this year healthy, Greg Olson. But he's the fourth most expensive tight end on Yahoo at $21. There's just so many other... It's not that I I, don't, I dislike Olson so much in, in this contest, but... Um, it does have the just the, the, the over-under set at 43. It's the third lowest of the week right now. Uh, I don't expect this to be a very high-scoring game between Dallas and Carolina. It's it, Carolina, obviously, they have a lot of pass catchers that they could go to. I talked about this when we met up in Sunnyvale a couple of weeks ago, as you mentioned. Devin Funches probably going to threaten 100 targets. Curtis Samuel's not going to play week one, but he started to kind of flash in the preseason. They're going to run Torrey Smith out there as a starter. They have Chris McCaffrey, who was used as a workhorse in the preseason. DJ Moore is going to be out there as well. Really just don't think that Olsen's a lock for the type of volume that we've seen before, and he's priced up as if he is. I mean, if you just look at the tight end pool right now on Yahoo, there are so many players that are cheaper. Uh, Jimmy Graham is $20. Uh, Trey Burton, 17 Austin Sferian Jenkins against the Giants, who just like can't cover tight ends, $16. He's interesting. Even uh, I know this sounds gross. But Tyler Eifert, $16 against the Colts in week one. I think that could be kind of a sneaky shootout. Uh, So that's definitely a place I'm looking. And before we get out of here, just just last note, because you mentioned this, and I'm I'm just going to throw this out there, Dalton. You mentioned Kenyon Drake as a play in week one. 
Can you a- answer me this question? Why was Joe Mixon a second-round pick in fantasy drafts and Kenyon Drake a fourth-round pick in fantasy drafts? I haven't put this on the record anywhere, but in one of my quiet moments <laughs> alone, I was like, what's the difference between these two players' price? I could not agree with you more. Only one is really awesome when you watch them play on film and, and all the metrics right. back it up, and the other is the opposite. So I, I don't understand yeah. that. I, I don't understand. Frank Gore, 35 years old. No one even drafts Frank Gore at the end of drafts anymore, so I don't even get the worry there. Uh, I don't understand yeah. it. I would take Drake ahead of Mixon without question, and the fact that their draft prices are so different is just bizarre to me. So I couldn't agree with you more. Dalton, you're the man. Thank you for agreeing with me. You said it all. That's exactly what I would say. I mean, both offenses that you have some questions about, they got a veteran in the backfield. You know, Gio Bernard is is better right. than Frank Gore right now, in my opinion, uh, at least in the asset that the money touches, you know, the passing game. So, yeah, I'm with you. That is a total, like, self uh, self selfish question here. Uh, but I'm glad we ended on that note. All right. We're out of here. Uh, Dalton, thanks for thanks for hanging out with me today, talking some week one. I'm so glad we have some actual real football, some real matchups to talk about instead of just hypothesizing about these guys and talking about ADPs. Uh, so remember, Liz and Scott are going to host the Sunday night podcast. That is right. We are going to come at you Sunday night as soon as the games end. We're going to have a podcast in your feed. It's going to be awesome. You will be so informed Monday morning. You'll be able to just go into work and be like, yo, I'm smarter than all you guys because I listen to the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast. Remember, it's not too late to sign up to play either yahoo.com slash fantasy football spread news about the show on uh, on twitter as well subscribe rate review and and tell all your friends about this show not the people you play in leagues with obviously because you, you want to still be able to just crush all those losers but for the rest of the people out there tell them that you listen to yahoo sports fantasy podcast uh, follow us on twitter at yahoo fantasy and subscribe on apple podcast all right we're out 